Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, grab your Bibles with me. Turn to the book of Numbers 18. The book of Numbers chapter 18. It's as if I wasn't gone last week. We're just going to pick right back up with the passage that we were in uh, two weeks ago. Numbers chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. God is speaking to Aaron. And, and I'll tell you who Aaron is in a minute. But he said, you yourselves, Aaron and his sons, must perform the sacred duties inside the sanctuary and at the altar. If you follow these instructions, the Lord's anger will never again blaze against the people of Israel. I myself have chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for service in the tabernacle. But you and your sons, the priests, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar and everything behind the inner curtain. I'm giving you the priesthood as your special privilege of service. And any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, I ask you right now that you would just empower me through your spirit to deliver the word that you've placed in my heart for your people in this place right now. Lord, I pray that, um, that you would help us to hear it and receive it and most importantly, put it into practice. Lord, would you change our hearts and minds today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our, not only the Patriarch's Prophets and Priests series, which I heard a couple weeks ago someone has affectionately nicknamed Triple P, the Triple P series. That sounds way cooler, so we're going to continue the Triple P series, but we're also going to continue to look at Aaron. Um, We found out last time we were together that Aaron was the brother of Moses, um, and he was right by Moses' side as Moses negotiated the release of the Hebrews from Egyptian slavery. Now, God had a very special place, a very special uh, calling and purpose for Aaron and for his sons. And we just read about that call in this passage, a call to the priesthood. And the first message that we, that we uh, had last week from this passage was called, The Call is for You, uh, referring to Aaron and the priesthood. Now, there are a couple of universal things, and I already talked about this in, uh, in our time in the altar after worship, but there's a couple of universal things from this passage about Aaron that, uh, that, helped us esta- that, that this passage has helped us establish. The first one is the universality of the priesthood. What that means is that every one of us who've given our lives to Jesus are priests to the extent that we can go straight to God on our own. Amen? 
right? We can go to him. We don't need a mediator. We can go straight to him. We can pray. We can worship. We can repent. We can intercede all on our own. And this passage teaches us it's not just a right, it's a privilege. He said, I've given you the privilege of the priesthood. Uh, and, and so, God, this, this is a, our privilege of service as, a, as priests of God now, as, as a royal priesthood. And, and because of Jesus, we have the privilege of going boldly before the throne of grace, which is what we just did in lifting up our needs. Now, the second thing we've learned from this passage about Aaron is the universality of the call. And it's not just this passage, but time after time in this Triple P series, we see that God is calling each one of us. God has a work prepared for each one of us. It, he, he, prepared, uh, he prepared a work for us, and he prepared us for the work. And it's a personal call. The call is for you. Nobody else can answer the call for you, and there are some things that only you can do. But there's one other thing that, that I hope we can take from this that's also really important. And it's this. We all carry the call, but it's not the same call. Okay? We're all called, but we're not all called to the same thing. In this passage, there's Aaron, who's called to be the high priest. There's only one person that serves in that capacity. His sons are called to be the priests. And then there's another group of people, and it's that group of people that I really want to focus on today. And I want us to look back at, the, at, the, at verse 6 again. Numbers 18, verse 6. God said, I myself have chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They're, they're a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for service in the tabernacle. Now God said, I've called the whole tribe of Levi to, to be your special assistants. And they're going to help you do all the things that you're responsible for, but that you can't possibly get done all by yourself. There are some things that have to be done by you, but there's a whole lot of other things that you're responsible for that there's no way you'll be able to get it all done. So I've gotten this group of people that's going to help you. It's the way that God characterized this group of people that really got my attention. He said, these people are a gift to you. They're a gift to you. They aren't just the hired help. They're a gift. They aren't second-tier individuals. They're a gift. They aren't the people who didn't make the cut. They, they aren't the people who just didn't measure up. They're called to serve just like you are, but just in a different way. They're not less called. They're not less gifted. They're not less important. They're just different. And as a matter of fact, Aaron would soon realize if it weren't for the Levites, there's no way that Aaron and his sons could get done everything that had to be done. They would never have fulfilled their call as priests if it weren't for the Levites. So today I want to talk about the gift of the Levites. The gift of the Levites. Now let me start this conversation with, um, with, with one of my favorite stories all time. So um, I've used this in leadership classes that I've taught, but I don't think I've ever used it in the pulpit. If I have, you, you, you'll enjoy it again. Or, or not, but it'll be over soon one way or the other. All right, so this is adapted from uh, an article that I've read. Charles Plum was a fighter pilot in the U.S. Navy uh, in Vietnam. And after 75 combat missions, his plane was shot down by a surface-to-air missile. 
he was captured. He, he, par- he ejected from the plane before it crashed. He uh, parachuted down into enemy territory, and he was captured and spent six years um, in a communist Vietnamese prison. Uh, somehow he survived the ordeal, and he started speaking about the lessons that he had learned uh, from that experience. So one day he and his wife were sitting in a restaurant in one of the places that he was speaking, and, uh, and this man at another table came up to him and said, You're plum, aren't you? He said, You flew jet fighters in Vietnam off the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. He said, You were shot down, weren't you? And, and, and so Plum said, how in the world did you, did you know that? And, and what this man said next would cause Plum to gasp in surprise and in gratitude. The man said, I packed your parachute that day. <laughs> and he pumped his fist and he said, I guess it worked. And Plum assured him it definitely worked. It sure did. And if your chute had not opened... I wouldn't be standing here today. So they finished up their, their conversation pretty quickly and, and they returned to their tables. But Plum lay down that night to go to sleep and he just couldn't sleep for thinking about this man. And he said, I kept wondering what he might have looked like all those years ago in his Navy uniform, you know, a white hat and a bib in the back and the bell-bottom trousers. And he said, I wonder how many times I might have seen him And not even said good morning or anything else because I was a fighter pilot and he was just a sailor. So Plum thought of the the many hours that this sailor had spent on a long wooden table in the bowels of the USS Kitty Hawk, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of each parachute each time holding in his hands the fate of somebody he didn't know and who would probably never acknowledge his existence. And so now, Plum, when he speaks, he asks his audience, who's packing your parachute? Who's packing your parachute? If we look at the callings of God, the way they're portrayed in our opening passage, a few people will be called to the leadership positions of the priesthood. They're the fighter pilots in the story. But the vast majority of people will have the parachute-packing calling of a Levite. There was, there was only one priest, a uh, high priest. There were a few other priests, but there were thousands of Levites. And when you wrap your mind around that, it is a truth that I hope may set some of you free. Because I know the Americanized version of success, even the Americanized version of the call of God is about climbing the ladder. It's about being front and center. It's about getting the spotlight or getting the recognition. The biblical version of success, the biblical version of calling is about faithfulness. It's about obedience. It's about passion. It's about humility in whatever it is that God may have asked you to do. Because here's the truth, not everybody's going to wind up with the kind of calling that puts them on a platform or behind a podium or in a pulpit. If that's the case, you're not only still in God's will, listen, you're a gift. You are a gift to the people who are in those positions. 
And I want to show you, this is all over the Bible, and I want to show you a few places. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to kind of hopscotch through this, um, through this passage, through this, through this chapter. Paul said a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Right? Now let's go to verse 18 in that same chapter. He said our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one point, one part. There, there are many parts but only one body. The eye can't ever say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Now, verse 27 kind of wraps it all up. All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part. See, everybody thinks the calling of God is about preaching or singing or teaching. Isn't that right? Preaching, singing, teaching. But that's the farthest thing from God's mind. Other people's callings may be different from yours. They may be more visible or less visible than yours, but they're no less important. Nobody remembers the names of the Levites the way they remember the names of the priests. But without the Levites, the priests would have never succeeded. The Levites were a gift. You are a gift. Did you know you're sitting beside a gift of God at this morning? You're sitting beside a gift of God. You're a parachute-packing gift from God that has a huge place in the kingdom. Some of y'all hadn't bought it yet, but you're going to get it. You're a gift. You're like, but I live, I live with this man. He is not a gift. No, I promise you, he's a gift. He's a gift, all right? What, what makes the Christian community of faith so powerful is not just the pastors and the staff members, the priests and the Levites. What makes a church a church is not just the staff. It, it, it's, every, it's the priests and the Levites. It, it's, it's also the prayer warriors. It's the servants. It's the encouragers. It's the welcomers. It's the givers. It's the worshipers. It's all of the nameless, faceless people in the background who make everything work. Or the people who are on the sidelines cheering everybody on. As you seek to be faithful to God's calling on your life, be aware that no matter what your calling is, you are a gift and you're vital to the functioning of the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Everybody is needed. Amen. I want you to look at this. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Paul, again, in a different place, Paul says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Sorry, y'all. Here's the, here's the gist of that passage. 
If you're a giver, give like it's the most important job in the church. If you're an encourager, encourage like it's the most important job in the church. If you're a helper, if you're a teacher, whatever your role is, then do it with the same enthusiasm that you expect me to serve as your pastor. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities, different callings, but the one who called us is the same. And he expects all of us to do everything we can for the kingdom of God, to do it to the best of our ability, with passion, with a positive attitude, the priests and the Levites. And listen, it's more important than you might think it is. And I want, I want, I want to kind of drop some, some information on you for a second. Do you know the formula for determining? There are people who are church growth experts and they study things and they're mathematicians and statisticians and all these things. So do you know the formula for determining the size of a church? It's pretty reliable. It has nothing to do with the charisma or the skill or the giftedness of the pastor. Thank God. It has nothing about the education or the training or the experience. It actually has nothing to do with the leadership team whatsoever. It's the number of adult volunteers who serve each month. A church will be roughly four times the number of adult volunteers. If you've got 50 adult volunteers, you've got a church of 200. If you want to grow to 500, would, would you like to see your church grow? You want your church to grow? Like six people like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, if you want to see your church grow, it doesn't happen when the stinking pastor gets better at preaching. It doesn't happen when the music gets better. It doesn't happen when we remodel or we relaunch or we rename or we re-whatever we, we do. It happens if we want to be a church of 500. It's because 125 Levites step up and give of themselves to some ministry every month. That's a very simple formula, but that's how it works. And it's the only way it works. You are that important. That gift of God sitting beside you is maybe the most important person in the house right now. The truth is what's holding this church back, and quite honestly, just about every church I know of, is not a lack of leaders, it's a lack of Levites. Right? If y'all been in church more than three years, can somebody say amen? amen. Isn't that right? The people, the, the, the problem is, or not the problem, but the, the, the issue is the people who will never hold a microphone, never have an impressive title, but who pack the parachutes of ministry leaders every week. Those are the, that's where we're missing. That's where we're missing the boat. We need people to clean the church. We need people to cook meals for people who are grieving or who are sick. We need people to help keep kids focused in kids ministry. Not to teach kids ministry. We pretty much got that covered. We need we need scoochers. Is that a thing? I just created a spiritual gift. We need scoochers who will just come along behind kids and go scooch. Right? Some of you, I mean, some of y'all are a little rougher than that, but, but that's what we really like. So we need somebody to go, boy, sit your tail down and listen to Caitlin. Right? It, lovingly. 
like a loving version of Oscar the Grouch. We, we need somebody who can run the kids to the bathroom. We, we, that's what the kids' ministry needs right now. Right? Don't prepare your resumes. We just, there ain't a resume for a scoocher. We, if you can scooch, just come on, man. Like We need people who can show up from 6 to 8 on Sunday nights in the loft in our student ministry who will talk to and mostly listen to Middle and high school students. <laughs> Silence. Everyone's like, nope, nope, <laughs> no. Um, I don't speak that language, whatever that is. I don't know that. We need, we need people to press buttons and run cameras. See, what happens when there aren't enough Levites is that the priests have to do what the Levites were supposed to do, which means nobody's priesting. Robbie and Jordan are, are priests, called of God, gifted of God. And they should be on this platform speaking and leading and exhorting. But every week, they're in the tech booth, sometimes by themselves, like they are today, because there's not enough Levites. They don't want a priest appreciation day. <laughs> they want help. That's all. They just want help. You would be a gift to them. Are y'all understanding this? A gift. Like they might hug you. I've heard it over and over again. I don't really know if I have anything to offer the church. I don't even really know if the Lord can use me. Yes, you do have something that the Lord can use. You are a gift. Just be willing to try something new. Just be willing to learn something. Like, well, I could never help in the tech booth. I don't know what buttons to push. They'll put notes on the buttons. <laughs> it says, push here. <laughs> push now. They'll, they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you know what it is that you're supposed to do. You just need to be willing to go, eh, I could, I could probably do that. I could probably do that. We, we just need people who will say, listen, why don't you teach me how to do that so you can go do something else? We need your, we need your gift right now. John, what do you want me to do? Take a connection card and put your name on it and say, I'll be a Levite. And then just let's figure it out from there. You say, John, but I do feel like at some point I feel like the call of God is on me that I really am supposed to be in the pulpit at some point or on a platform or, or, in a, or, or behind a podium in ministry. What do I do? Get a connection card and write your name and say, I'll be a Levite. Do not run up on the platform because we have security in place that you don't see and they will tackle you before you get here. All right? You still, you, but, I, but John, I have more inside me than that. It isn't that beneath my gifting and beneath my calling. Don't forget the priests came from the tribe of Levi. That means you can't even be a priest unless you're a Levite. 
It's a principle that's seen over and over and over again in Scripture. I'm going to show you too. Exodus 17. This is Aaron. I want you to see Aaron. While the people of Israel were, were still at uh, Rephidim, the warriors of, uh, of Amalek attacked them. And Moses commanded Joshua, uh, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for, uh, for us. Tomorrow I'll stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses commanded him, fought the army of Amalek. And meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up his staff... Uh, in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms, y'all figured this out, didn't you? Soon became so tired he couldn't hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Please understand the context. Aaron's been number two from day one. Of, of a million or more Israelites, he's the number two dude, man. He's right beside Moses. When Moses needed help, Aaron didn't look around and call somebody to go find somebody to come move the rock. He just moved the stinking rock. Right? And when putting him on the rock didn't help, he got beside him and held up his hands so that God's will could be accomplished even though it was through somebody else. Man, how much, how much more effective would the kingdom of God be if we saw a brother or sister who was struggling and we went running over to hold their arms up until the mission was successful? Can you imagine what that community of faith would be like? 1 Kings 19 and 16. God, this is, y'all remember when Elijah uh, went running out into the wilderness, wound up in a cave, talked to God, and God's like, what are you doing here? And Elijah, you know, they had this thing. And so God gave Elijah his marching orders, and he said, go anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And look at this, anoint Elisha, the son of uh, Shaphat, from the, the town of uh, abel um, to replace you as my prophet. So that was, that's, what he was, that's what he was told. Elijah knew that God had called Elisha to be his successor as prophet. That's a pretty big stinking deal in the, in the nation of Israel at this time. So he went, he placed his mantle on him, and then he pretty much just walked away. He just did it and walked off. He was like, all right, now it's on you, Bubba. So Elisha understood the symbolism, and he went back home to close out his previous life, and then he went and followed Elijah. But I want you to see, so how do you train to be the prophet of Israel? <laughs> so I want you to see how they eventually described Elisha in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 3. In the NIV version, it says, Jehoshaphat, this is the king, said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we can inquire of the Lord through? And, and an officer said, Hey, um, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. How did Elijah train his successor? By teaching him to be a servant. He helped Elijah wash his hands. And whatever menial, other menial task Elijah needed to do, that's what Elisha did. Here's the thing. If you're too qualified to serve, you ain't qualified to lead. 
If you are too qualified to serve, you are not qualified to lead. I heard one preacher say, Elisha had to learn to carry Elijah's bags before he could carry his anointing. Spiritual leadership at every level is about service and humility. That's the first and most important lesson of leadership. Learning to be a good Levite is the most important qualification for being a good priest. There's intrinsic value in serving in the kingdom, no matter how you serve, no matter where you serve, no matter if you have a title or not, there's value in the work itself, no matter how public or private your service might be. The parachute packers and the fighter pilots are all called to serve. The Levites, which I'm assuming most of you believe you yourselves to be, the Levites are a gift to the kingdom of God. Now, no matter what your calling is, uh, or where you serve, or how you serve, there are two gifts that we all need uh, to carry out this thing, uh, this calling in our lives to its most effective degree. Two things that God has given us. He gave the priests, the Levites, he said these are a gift, but I could think of two other things, two other gifts in the New Testament that the Lord gave to all of us. The first one is spiritual leaders are a gift. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Anybody part of the church here? <laughs> 17 people. Welcome, heathens. <laughs> You're part of the church. I shouldn't have had that second cup of coffee this morning. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, you're part of the church. If you're part of the church, whether you're a pilot or a parachute packer, Jesus gave you five gifts to build you up and to help you fulfill the call of God on your life. People who are specifically called to help you win. Just like God gave Aaron gifts to help him, Jesus has given you gifts to help you. Some people call them the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given to you to help you. So my question to you is, are you receiving what they're giving to you? Are you receiving them? It's, it's always fascinated me in this list that the gift is the person. Did you notice that? He said the gift is the apostle, not the apostleship. The gift is the teacher, not the lesson or not the teaching of that individual. The, these men and women are given to you by Jesus to help you. I know a whole lot of people who say they're trying to fulfill the call of God on their lives, who say they're following Jesus, but they don't receive any of these gifts. They have nothing but criticism and skepticism towards spiritual leaders. And that's hard-earned, right? I, I understand that. But, but they don't attend church, and they don't submit to anyone else's authority. They don't even submit to anyone else's spiritual advice. If you find a good pastor 
If you find a good teacher, you find a good evangelist, any of the other functions, that man or that woman is a gift to you. And guess what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to equip you for ministry. And that word literally means mend you for ministry. Now, is there training involved? Sure. Are the nuts and bolts of ministry that they're going to show you? Of course. But the main purpose of these gifts of God in your life is to help you heal, to help mend you for ministry. Why in the world, why do I need to heal? Because life hurts and ministry hurts. The main purpose of these gifts is to help you heal, and that's not a one-time thing. That's going to be a relationship over time because no matter where or how you serve, eventually you're going to get hurt in doing that work, and you're going to continually need healing. And Those people are a gift to you to help heal you and to keep you healthy so that you can do what God's called you to do. They're a gift to you. Now listen, let's get real for a second. Sometimes the best gifts come wrapped in the strangest paper. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Um, some of the most powerful spiritual moments in my life have been under the ministry of people that I don't much like. I really did. I, 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 if you don't push people away, there, there, let me just say this. There have been times, there have been moments when God spoke to me through a person that I would not otherwise have had a relationship with. Because you, you don't just like everybody, do you? Do y'all just love do y'all just like everybody? I don't just like everybody. There's some things about some people that turn me off. You're the same way. But it doesn't mean that that person is not still a gift to you. All right? I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about a lack of integrity. There are just some people you connect with and some people you don't. But it has just seems to have been a pattern in my life that God has used people that I didn't prefer to speak some of the most powerful things into my life at a given time. I'm just telling you, don't push people away just out of hand. Don't reject their ministry to you just because maybe you don't like them as much as you like somebody else. God may have placed those people in your life as a gift to you. Get connected to those gifts regularly. Get in church on a weekly basis. Watch online if you can't make it in person. If you are an in-person only person and you can't make the live stream, then watch it later in the week. But do what you have to do to enjoy and appreciate and use the gift that God's given you. The pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, all of the gifts that God has placed around you. Don't miss the gift of God in your life. And here's the last but most important gift that God gives to all of us. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit's a gift. Uh, let me show you two passages of Scripture. Luke chapter 11. This, Jesus is speaking in both, in both passages. Jesus, uh, Luke 11, the book of Jesus. Um, Luke 11, 11 through 13. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts... To your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Holy Spirit's a gift. Look at Acts chapter 1. 
verses 4 and 5, Jesus talking again. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus, Jesus commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Forget about everything Forget about everything you've heard or been told about the Holy Spirit. Forget about all the things that people did in their flesh and blamed on the Holy Spirit. Forget about all of that. Pick up this book and read for yourself what it says. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? I just showed you two different times that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift to you. And listen, his ministry to you is to help you do what you've been called to do. I want to show that to you as well. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just a couple verses after we just read. Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This gift comes with power. And you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, who is a gift to you, will give you the power to do what God calls you to do. We're all called to be witnesses of the grace and the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. But our own callings and giftings uh, help us do it in unique ways. We're not all going to do it the same way. But no matter how we're called to express God's love and truth, the Holy Spirit helps us do that. Jesus, so the, the more you surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, the more of a gift he becomes. You've heard the, 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 the phrase, it's a gift that keeps on giving. This is literally a gift that keeps on giving. At a deeper and deeper level, the more we receive him. The more you surrender yourself to him, the more of a gift he becomes to you. Jesus will baptize you, submerse you in the Holy Spirit. And the more you learn to surrender to the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, the more you learn to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, the less likely you are to get weary in well-doing. The, the less likely you are to get burned out. The less likely you are to get bitter about the things of ministry that are hard. And all the things that keep people from fulfilling their calling. Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. And this gift, listen y'all, is in you. In you. Jesus uh, said in John 14, look at this, in John 14, 16, 17, uh, and I'll, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter. Now this is the amplified version. Look at all the, all the things that also mean comforter. He's your counselor. He's your helper. Isn't that what, what God said about the Levites? They're your personal assistants. They're going to help you. He, the Holy Spirit's your helper. He's your intercessor, your advocate, your strengthener, your standby. He's going to give them to you that you may remain, that he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive. They can't take it, they can't take the Spirit to heart because they don't know him and they don't recognize him. But you know him and you recognize him because he lives with you and will be in you. He's a helper. For whatever it is God's called you to, to do, whether it's pastor, preach, sing, teach, scooch, clean. Say, John, I hate cleaning. Holy Spirit will help you find joy in cleaning the house of the Lord. 
whatever it is that God's called you to do, the Holy Spirit's there to help you do it. He's a gift. He's a gift. Jesus, Jesus wants to completely saturate you with himself through his spirit. He's not scary. He's not weird. He's not just for the super spiritual bunch. He's not just for the priests. He's for everybody. The pilots and the parachute packers. The priests and the Levites. I just want to encourage you. Receive him today. Help him. You say, oh, I'm scared. I don't know. But just take a step. It's a relationship, y'all. It's a relationship. Just take a step. Receive him. Let him help you find and fulfill what God's called you to do. Listen, I know full well where this church would be without the Levites who volunteer every month, some every week. You're a gift to me. If, if I'm serving as, as a priest or in one of those roles, those leadership roles, you have been given to me as a gift and you are a gift to me. And I am grateful for you. If you haven't started serving, God's calling you. I'm, I'm not calling you. I might be begging you, but God's calling you. The call is for you. It's a personal call. And nobody else can do it for you. If you don't know what your calling is, then just start serving. You might be surprised what God gives you an affinity for. You might, there, are, there are things in my life that I'm like, I can't believe I like this, but I kind of like this. Because God, God does that. He does that. So just start serving. There are entry-level positions in every ministry of the church. Now, there are gateways for people who want a microphone. You want a microphone, you need to be able to sing. So there are auditions for those positions. You want to be, you want to be in this pulpit, we're going to have to get to know each other for a while. Okay? You want to teach, we're going to have to get to know each other. I need to know what you think and what you believe and how I need to know your gifting. I need to know your call, all of that stuff before you're ever going to step up here. But for the vast majority of you, that's not your call anyway. You can start serving today. We need Levites, not just because you have gifts, because you are a gift. So here's the question. Why don't you all stand with me? Let me ask you these questions. Here's a question. Will you serve today? Will you finally just take that plunge? Say, yeah, I don't know how they're going to use me, but here we go. I got a text message from somebody a couple weeks ago, and I haven't asked permission to share who it was, so I'm not going to say it. But I said, I don't really sing or teach or preach or nothing, and I'm really kind of a hooligan, but God's calling me. I may frame that. I may print it and frame it. I love that. God loves hooligans. You're sitting among a bunch of them. <laughs> Y'all ain't got no idea who y'all sitting beside. I'm just telling you. He qualifies you. He qualifies you himself. So will you serve? Will you submit to the, to the gifts of ministry in your life? The pastors and the teachers and the evangelists. 
who can help you get healed, help you get mended and equipped for ministry. You're like, John, I don't know. I've been hurt by, by people in the past who abused that gift. I know, so have I. But it doesn't negate the necessity of the gift. You've got to find somebody you trust and get submitted to that spiritual leadership so that you can get healed and mended to do what God's called you to do. And here's the last question for everybody. Will you ask the Holy Spirit to saturate you? Just ask Him to saturate you so you can serve with supernatural effectiveness. Now, John, isn't there like a process or a plan or something? No, man, just ask. He's a gift, and Jesus said, if you ask your Heavenly Father, He'll give Him to you. So ask. Ask. We're going, the, the team's going to sing one last song. We're going to sing together, and then we'll be dismissed. Um, but this is, really, this is a really important time, in, not just in our service, but in your life. Some of your lives are going to change depending on how you respond to this message today. So I want you to give it its due. Give it, a, give it time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But some of you already are also facing some other things. We've already prayed about a lot of those. But if there's something you didn't come down for and you want to pray about anything in your life, you can do that right now. We're going to pray together. They're going to sing. And then this altar is open. And I want you to answer the questions that I just asked you. Father, we just bless your name today. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your call. I thank you that you love the hooligans and the hoodlums of the world. And that as long as we've surrendered ourselves to you, even as you're continuing to transform us, you've already called us and you're equipping us for that call. I pray, God, that you would help all of us to answer your call, whatever it might be. And Lord, whatever it is today, I pray that you'd help us to surrender ourselves to your spirit with no preconceived notions of what that looks like or feels like or sounds like, that we just say, Holy Jesus, will you saturate me with your spirit? I pray that's the experience of every person in this place, every person listening to this message today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.